You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So you already know what today is, because we already talked about it. And uh, since, usually I've been taking Sundays off, but we've got a plan. Made a promise, and I'm a man of my word, usually, unless I decide I don't feel like it. But also, I don't think this will take entirely long. However, there is a little bit of a twist. Uh, I mentioned how I was working on offensive tackles, and I started working my way through that. Um, I'm about halfway up, and I do have one tackle that I very, very much like. I guess I can tell you. It's Lucas Niang. Now, I haven't gotten up into the upper-tier guys, but as far as sort of the mid-tier slash, because I do like top 20, as I mentioned, which I said was probably a bad idea with tackles. But anyways, I finally got up high enough to where there's guys where it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I like this guy. Niang right now is, is my top guy, but again, I haven't even gotten into... I don't even know if I'm in the top 10 yet. I should be pretty close. But it dawned on me, I didn't finish running backs. And running backs is one of my favorite positions to scout. So I stopped tackles, went over to running backs, and I finally finished. And I got a guy. And I'm very excited because that at this point, with me, you know, I've, as I've said, I'm not trying to pretend to be... I want to stay in my lane. I am what I am. And if I decide I want to be a guy that's really good at scouting and whatnot, I have to put in a lot of different kind of work. There's a lot of effort to actually be kind of good at that. And I just don't know if I want to take that step right now. But I still enjoy watching. And so I want to just kind of, I want to give you my opinion. But I don't want to pretend like some other people do that my opinion counts for a ton. I'm no different than you are. I watch a lot of football because I love football. And I, I just, I see people that get me excited and there you go. And I, I don't really care if I'm wrong because, well, first of all, even people that really, really know what they're doing, even GMs who have armies of people scouting with them and wealths of knowledge are making dumb decisions. And people who watch, you know, one team on Sunday do a better job scouting just on a whim because that's the NFL. But anyways, I I, I just, I don't care because I know I don't put in that work and I don't proclaim to be anything that I'm not. And I put that much of a preference or a a preface, excuse me, in there because this isn't going to be received very well. But um, I have an absolute favorite. And um, I know last year there were some guys that gave me chills when I watched them. Just super excited. Jace might have been one of them. I'm trying to remember who they were. Jace might have been one. I know I was a real big Brian Burns fan way before that was cool. That was back in, like, November. But anyways, I want to start off by giving you just generalized thoughts about running back. And I can't go super in-depth because it was such a long time ago when I did a lot of these other guys that it's not super fresh in my mind, but I, I, I just kind of want to run through my thoughts. And ultimately, I what I had mentioned to you before was that I really like this group, and I do because I, I'm starting, again, I'm picking the top 20 from my board, which is an aggregate board, which is a consensus. It's not anymore. This is an older version, but still. The top 20 is a lot of running back. I mean, we're, we're, when you get to the top 20, we're talking guys that are probably late round. Some of them might not even get drafted. Possibly. Who knows? And right out of the gate, there's guys that I already kind of like. I mean, some of them, not as much, but automatically. And you can see, you know, some guys are, are maybe why they're lower is because they're, you don't trust them to do a bunch of stuff. But that one thing they do is like, oh, my goodness, I would love to have this guy on the team. I understand he's not going to be an every down back, but, dude, this guy is just horrifying in the open field. You know what I'm talking about? So lots of guys that I like. However, as I got further along, they all just kind of blended together. And there wasn't anyone that I was like, oh, this guy is just automatically love them first round. I mean, there's no, obviously, no Saquon Barkley. Um, one of the guys that I really, really liked back when I was watching was Christian McCaffrey, just because I've never, ever seen a running back move like him in my life. There just wasn't any of that. However, I think there's a guy, there's a lot of guys that are just, just very good and I'd be happy with, but nobody I'd really want in the first round. But there is one guy, and supposedly he's a fourth-round pick. Oh, super excited. I'm, I'm halfway trying to tell you and then just trying to save it till after the break, but I can't stop talking. It's a complicated thing. Also, probably slam that coffee entirely too fast. This is why I don't care for hot coffee as much, because you have to sip it, and I'm not a sipper. I'm a chugger. I mean, I, I don't even... The, when I get a glass of water, it doesn't leave the sink. I fill it, I slam it, I set it down, I go back to what I'm doing. I, I don't, like, get a glass of water and sip as I go. It's not how I operate. But you get coffee, and it's hot, and it just takes forever. 
And apparently that kind of makes sense, because otherwise you put a little creamer and stuff in it to cool it off, or just ice, and it just I just slammed the whole thing, and I was like, that was a poor decision. A little wired up. But anyways, how are you today? Good, good, glad, glad to have you. So that's what we're doing, talking running backs, and then we're going to follow up on what we did yesterday. If you didn't hear that, go listen to that first, because, I mean, it's it, we're, we're following up here. We're going to do the offense. We're going to look at some of the un- unsung heroes, some of the guys that we don't talk about constantly, and I just want to give my thoughts. Some guys, it's like we're overlooking them, and some guys, it's like, no, nah, I don't think we're going to get anything out of them. Or just general, hey, we kind of need you to step up here, chief. You know, stuff like that. Anyways, make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. I did make my impassioned plea yesterday asking, trying to make a final push to see if we could possibly get to 125. That didn't work out, so we'll just move forward with the idea that we're going to be getting a general draft guide. I think I'm going to throw up a poll. I'll probably just put it in, in Patreon as much as I'd like. I don't know. I'd like a big response, but I don't want people that aren't even getting it anyways to be voting, so I don't, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Just make sure if you are a patron, pay attention to your email. So if you get an update, it's probably going to be a poll asking you what, you know, what what do you want? What do you want from me, people? Jeez. Jeez Louise. Anyways, let's take a break and uh, we'll talk about running backs and uh, talk about some stuff and stuff. We'll be, we'll be right back. Folks, this is my final chance to make my plea to you to protect yourself and your family from the neighborhood creeps freaks, peepers, snoopers, creepers, and dog snatchers. Don't allow grabbers and stabbers to roam freely through your kitchen. Instead of being reactive by throwing pots and pans and and hot coffee at people, be proactive with Simply Safe home security. Because if there's a break-in, Simply Safe is going to use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime as it's happening. As a result, they have shown that with Simply Safe, police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. Because when the police see the neighborhood cracky, finger painting strawberry jelly on the fridge, they know that this is serious. And with Simply Safe, you're going to get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone even approaching your home. And then you got entry motion and glass break sensors to guard the inside. Plus, Simply Safe is going to protect your home and your family from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set up your system, no tools needed, or just have Simply Safe come out, they'll do it for you. Best part of all, 50 cents per day, zero contracts. So make sure you visit simplysafe.com slash overtime. You're going to get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. There's nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know that our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so let's start off the picture show with talk about running backs. So, where where do we start? I kind of gave up on the tears after a while, again, because it's hard when you do it two weeks ago and then you come back to it, it's probably even more than two weeks, and you try to rank them with where your other guys were. But again, there are a lot of guys that I like at least to some degree. You've got guys like Zach Moss who are, um, they don't get me super excited, they're kind of, 
I guess, plotters, which is an unfair way to put it. But they just seem very capable. If you just want a sort of a Jamal Williams type, and I'm not using that as a direct comparison, but a guy that you feel relatively comfortable with, he's never going to be a big breakaway guy, but he'll, he'll, he'll grind out some yards for you. Not a big Zach. I'm way lower on Zach Moss than a lot of other people. Same with Cam Akers. There's several guys that kind of remind me of Aaron Jones. Darius Anderson is a little bit that way. And again, my, my thing with with Aaron Jones, and it just I, I'll never stop saying this, and I, maybe I'm the only one, but I don't ever see anything super special, and maybe it's just my lack of understanding, but he always just makes things happen. When, when I'm watching it, because that's generally my standard, is what is he doing better than expected. And the interesting thing is it changes with Aaron Jones depending on what exactly the question is you're asking. What is he doing special that other running backs can't do is one way to ask it. And when I watch Aaron Jones, I don't generally see anything. What is he doing better than expected? He is way higher than than anybody. Because when you watch a play develop, you think, okay, that's not going anywhere. And then he gets 10 yards. And I think there are a couple guys. Darius Anderson is one of them. I don't see anything super special. Not a breakaway guy. Not really elite, in my opinion, in any way. But that sort of, it shouldn't work, but it does attribute. He has that. Um, Darrington Evans out of App State is another one, Appalachian State. Both of them are actually similarly sized, Darius Anderson and uh, Darrington Evans. So there are several guys that kind of fit that. They can do everything, maybe not anything super special, but, you know, plenty. Uh, Javon Leakey out of Maryland I think would be fine. Again, nothing super special, but the guy will just grind out yards for you. You got uh, A.J. Dillon, and probably Zach Moss would fit into this category. A little bit more thumpers than anything. I don't really see them as over four yards per carry, but if you need some help on third down, they'll smash some people. Obviously, you could put Jonathan Taylor in that category, but he has a little bit more to him than than just smashing people, considering how lightning fast he is. And then you got guys like J.J. Taylor, who really, really get me excited. But you understand at 5'6", 185, there's going to be some limitations. I've said he just reminds me of Darren Sproles. He just takes off, and, and the thing is, when he gets out into the open field, there's just this sinking feeling. Like, if you're playing for the other team, and J.J. Taylor gets out in space... You just feel like your your life is ruined. Like we're done. There's a feeling of abject hopelessness, and it just it just gets me excited. And I'd love to have a weapon like JJ Taylor. And I understand that he's never going to be this guy that you can rely on. I mean, consistently down to down. And when you're a football team trying to constantly replace your running back so that you don't have to pay an Aaron Jones, as much as it makes me sad to have to say that, I just feel like that's the way the NFL is going, and it kind of makes sense. You got to have reliable running backs constantly fed into the system and I don't think JJ Taylor is ever going to fill Aaron Jones's spot although again I would take a JJ Taylor on this team any day of the week because he is just an absolute freak and he can he can handle it to a, to an extent I just don't think you want to let him carry it 18 19 times a game but man he is just he will if he has space he'll just destroy I love watching JJ Taylor then and again the tiers are all kind of messed up but there's kind of the upper tier at the bottom and he was my top guy for a while and he's still Maybe it's just a little biased because he was from the last group, but Salvin Ahmed I really like. Not as quick and elusive and, and blazing fast as a J.J. Taylor, but at 5'11", 196, he's a little bit more built like an NFL running back. Extremely fast. He's a very good receiver, so he's got that versatility to do a little bit of everything. And a very, very patient runner, which maybe isn't exactly what we want. I mean, it depends on what you're trying to do. I know Aaron Jones is just a grab the ball and go. Uh, he's just gone. He's just running right away. No hesitation. I do think Selvin Ahmed is a pretty poor blocker, which is problematic. Then you've got three guys that are generally seen as top-tier guys, and I get it. Right? They're, they just look like NFL running backs. I don't see anything that really got me overly excited. I'm talking about Keyshawn Vaughn, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, and excuse me, there's four. And DeAndre Swift. I didn't even add him to the list because I just watched him, and I was like, all right, I'm done. All these guys, you know that when they come in, they can be NFL-type running backs. They're intelligent runners. They're quick. They're decisive. They're strong. They, they've got the receiving. Well, not really all of them. Jonathan Taylor isn't a good receiver. He's kind of a separate issue. But DeAndre Swift, Edwards Hilaire, Keyshawn Vaughn, they're powerful. The quote-unquote contact balance, right? They don't just get bumped and go flying. You know, it, it takes a lot to bring them down. They're very balanced. Jonathan Taylor actually impressed me a lot less than I was hoping. From what it looked like from, from what I watched, and obviously he can just rip a game apart if he has enough space. And that, that's probably, he, he's going to be a lot like Ezekiel Elliott. If he goes to a team with a great offensive line, he is just going to dominate this league. If he doesn't, I don't know. What I saw largely from Wisconsin is the offensive line gave him five yards. He picked up four more just from raw power. It was an automatic nine yards every time he touched the ball. And then occasionally, he would just break one wide open because he's super fast. 
But I think on a down-to-down basis, I mean, he's just kind of plodding forward. Maybe that's just how Wisconsin plays. Maybe a different NFL team gets him a little bit more space, and you really get to see his range of talent. But again, it just it depends where he goes. And when I watch him at, at Wisconsin, where he's just pounding up the middle all the time, he, he just he kind of reminded me of Jamal when he first started, where he just closes his eyes and runs. And he just smacks into people and pushes them for a couple more yards. And again, the offensive line gets him an automatic five, so it's just eight every time he touches. So again, I don't see him necessarily, and this is an unfair comparison because of Saquon as a freak, but Saquon was a guy where he can do anything from anywhere. His agility and everything else, I mean, he just, you never knew what was going to happen. Jonathan Taylor seems to me to be a, like a 3.8 yards per carry guy, just smashing, 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 not really doing anything. And then he gets a hole and just destroys everybody because he has blazing fast, uh, blazing fast speed. Now, my favorite running back. Now, based on my old list, I don't know what he is now. I guess I could look, but I don't want to. He was the ninth highest graded running back. Five foot eight, 208 pounds. I really don't care what anybody says. Easily my favorite. I watched the guy and got chilled. And it's funny because I watched two games. Because I watched one, I'm like, all right, well, I should watch another one. And then I watched another one, and he looked really good. And then I thought, you know what? These aren't super great teams. I want to see him against a better team. And the third or fourth video down was Ohio State. It's 2018, but it was Ohio State. And I'm like, all right, if he does well against Ohio State, then um, then he's, he's my guy. I'm putting my stamp on him. I don't care if it's 2018. He had 21 carries for 298 yards and two touchdowns in that game against Ohio State. It was his best game of the year. He shredded Ohio State like they were nothing. My guy is Anthony McFarland out of Maryland. When he touches the ball, he is shot out of a cannon. He's got 4-4-4 speed, which is extremely fast. But I just the the obvious difference between Anthony McFarland and Jonathan Taylor to me is is wildly evident. As soon as he touches the ball, his his 0 to 60, it, it just you can see it automatically. Jonathan Taylor, if there's space, you'll see it eventually. Every single time McFarland touches the ball, unless he gets smoked in the backfield, you can just see, oh my goodness, this guy is fast. I mean, he's just, he's making stuff happen laterally and up the middle. I think he's a better blocker than anyone gives him credit for. They split him out. They use him on sweeps. I mean, he's just, he's all over the place. He does everything. And oh my goodness, he is just, I mean, every, again, every time he touches the ball, it's just a, oh, here he goes. And he just he just looks terrifying because he is. So yeah, he's he's my guy. And apparently, some people think he's a fourth round draft pick. I'll I'll tell you right now, I, I that's that seems ridiculous to me. So I, I'm sure I'm the only person in the country that has him number one, and I really don't care. Five foot eight, two hundred and eight pounds. That is a pretty thick build at five foot eight. And he looks thick. He may be not as quite as powerful as Jonathan Taylor, but he's every bit as fast. And again, just just go watch. I don't, I don't care what game you watch. If you want to watch him against Ohio State, go ahead. It's a great game. Otherwise, watch whatever you want. The guy is just annihilating everybody. So that is my guy in this draft class, uh, at least as far as running backs go. And the great thing about it is, unlike Jonathan Taylor or Keyshawn Vaughn or you know DeAndre Swift, there's a chance the Packers get this guy. Because I, I, there's almost no way they take a running back in the first two rounds, probably not even the third round. But if he's maybe a fourth-round draft pick, which would just shock me, why not? So, I don't know. Go watch him if you haven't. Anthony McFarland. Just as soon as I watched him. And the exciting thing is you're going up this list, and you're, you know, I was the ninth. Still got, like, nine more to go. I'm thinking, you know, it's not until you get up to the top five or top three where you start getting really excited. And this guy just blew me away. I just was not expecting it at all. And then you think, well, maybe it's just because you haven't actually seen the really good guys yet. And I'm watching them, and I'm like, nope, I would still take Anthony McFarland. Especially from a value perspective, Anthony McFarland, even in the third, compared to what? DeAndre Swift in the first? That's not even a conversation to me. That's a joke. So, anyways, I, I just I just love having guys that I like. You know, Raekwon at defensive tackle, McFarland. K.J. Hamler at wide receiver. Just gets me excited. But all right, let's take a look at some of the lesser talked about offensive players. There probably aren't quite as many because we do talk about wide receivers and we talk about, you know, the guys that we have, but let's do it anyways. Why don't we start off with Jamal Williams? Because I think the interesting thing about Jamal is, you know, we talk about maybe needing to replace Aaron Jones because he's going to get a massive contract and the Packers aren't going to want to pay it. Don't know that that's the case, but it, it feels like it would probably be the case. The, the the first thing we got to look at is, where do we stand with Jamal? I know he doesn't super excite anybody. 
and I'm sure the Packers are going to keep taking swings at running back, but the, let's just say we don't have anybody. Let's say we draft somebody. We get Anthony McFarlane in the fourth, and he ends up being a complete bust and a waste of our time. And we have to choose, do we sign and extend Aaron Jones, or do we let him walk and pay Jamal, you know, the couple million it's going to take to keep him around, and just roll with him? One of the things that's very encouraging, and again, I, I don't want to just rely on PFF, but from my perspective, it's, you know, we can talk about stats, but they're, you know, they don't really tell a whole story. But let's just look at it this way. In 2017, we're talking overall grade. Um, Jamal in his rookie year graded out at a 61.9 average. 2018, 67.9, high average. 2019, 74.9. Jamal Williams ranked as the 11th best running back in all of football. That's not talked about very much. I mean, it, he was graded, overall grade, higher than Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry didn't really come on strong until the end of the year, but so what? Also, his receiving grade, ridiculous. He and Aaron Jones were some of the highest graded receivers at running back of anybody. In order, you got Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, fifth best running back in football, Tony Pollard, Dalvin Cook, Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, Ezekiel Elliott, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Washington, Derrick Henry. That was the order. That's pretty encouraging for a number two running back to be basically a top 10 back in the NFL last year anyways. That's a heck of a leap also from year two to year three. If you look at just his rushing statistics, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry. That's not terrible. 469 yards on 111 attempts. He only had one touchdown, but he grinded out 24 first downs. That's pretty valuable. He had 10 runs of over 10 yards, which is about, you know, roughly one-tenth of all his carries were 10-plus yards, which is not bad. 2.81 yards after contact on average. His longest run was 45 yards, avoided 11 tackles, did not fumble one time. As a receiver, he had a receiving grade of 87 borderline elite. Now, the negative thing is after week nine, completely fell off a cliff. The first half of the year, Jamal Williams' receiving grade was ridiculous. After week nine, he only graded out positively twice. However, his pass blocking grade, he's always been an incredible pass blocker, 87.3, and this is not an anomaly whatsoever. Every single week, he had one week against Oakland where he graded out at 25. Every week, let me just read to you because usually even when you get a high grade there's every other game is good and then bad than whatever these are all his grades every single week 81 83 76 78 25 87 76 74 80 77 78 83 the guy is an unbelievable pass blocker he never fumbles the ball he's good for four-ish yards per carry great receiver i mean he's not aaron jones i'm not saying he's aaron jones the dude is good though and he's 24 years old. He's going on 25. He's still young. I, I think we're in such a good position because I'm, I'm still in favor of, in the later rounds, you want to talk 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, whatever, taking swings at running backs just to see what you can get. I really think, and it might not be the best case scenario, and I would love to have an elite running back and all that stuff, I really think if push comes to shove, we can roll with Jamal as a number one. Not going to be as good as Aaron Jones. But if we can't pay him, we're not doomed if Jamal is our number one and we got to roll with, you know, a couple other replacement level guys, Dexter or whoever, as backups. Now, hopefully Dexter can take a step. We'll take a look at him in a little bit. But in every category, the guy's just phenomenal. I mean, Jamal Williams was the seventh best pass block of any back, including fullback. He was the third best halfback. Two of these guys had under 10, so they shouldn't even count Dwayne Washington and Nick Bauden. But you had John Hillman, Amir Abdullah, Alec Ingold, Nick Bauden, Dwayne Washington, Patrick uh, Ricard, and then Jamal Williams. I mean, he's up there with fullbacks. Then when you look at receiving grades, Jamal Williams was fourth highest. Aaron Jones was eighth highest. So you've got one of the best pass-blocking running backs in football. You had, and again, this could be kind of flukish, sometimes higher than, than whatever, but the fourth highest graded receiving back. And maybe not the best runner in the world, but not terrible. And overall, we're talking, what, what did I say, the 11th best? I just... Again, I hate thinking about Aaron Jones being gone, but I feel like we're in a better situation with Jamal than we than we kind of give credit to. So, I mean, if if he can even take a half a step as a as a runner, this guy could be something pretty special because he's got more power than Aaron Jones does. He is a thumper of a running back. He is violent, and I really like it. We don't we forget that because a guy likes to dance and he's kind of goofy and he seems really really nice. This guy loves physical football. With that, I guess we could talk about Dexter. There's not a lot to talk about. He had 10 total snaps. He ran the ball five times, blocked 
uh, four times and was a receiver once. He actually graded out fairly well as a pass blocker, which is, again, he only did it once, so who cares? The, the, it's not really worth talking about stats or grades, to be completely honest. The one thing I really liked about Dexter is he gave me that, and I didn't see this when he was in college, but he gave me that sort of feeling that some of these running backs, other running backs that I'm watching in college give me, where when he touches the ball and you watch how fast he looks behind the line of scrimmage, you feel like he could break one at any time. Now, he's not given many opportunities. And I think, like a lot of rookies, the reason is the the mental part of the game isn't quite there yet. There's so much, especially for a running back. You're standing right next to Aaron Rodgers, and when he's making adjustments, you have to know. You know, it, it, blocking assignments. There's a lot to know with blocking assignments. The offensive line, you have to be in sync with. Aaron Rodgers, you have to be in sync with. And if he changes the play, you got to know what he's doing. And if you mess that up, that's a really serious problem. You can get Aaron Rodgers killed simply because you don't know who you're supposed to be blocking. Very important. So he didn't give get a lot of opportunity. But again, the one thing that I really liked about him is when he touched the ball, he gives you that feeling that Aaron Jones and Jamal do not. He just looks fast. And you get the feeling that if he hits a hole, he's going to really break this thing. So I actually really like Dexter. Similar to how I like Rashawn. We didn't get to see much, but from the little flashes you see, you kind of just have this kind of a gasp moment. Like, oh my goodness, what was that? So I'm, I'm very willing to be patient with Dexter. I didn't have a lot of expectations coming in. I didn't really care for his, his film in college very much. But he looked different when he touched the football. You could tell it was Dexter running the ball because of how fast he was shot out of a cannon as soon as he touched that ball. So we got to see the mental part has to get there as far as, and I, when I say that, I'm not trying to call people dumb. There's a lot to learn, and that's why a lot of rookies don't get a lot of playing time. Very select, special few can pick it up and start right away, and other guys just get forced into it because you have to. We don't have a lot of other options. You know, there's never any question Darnell Savage was going to start. Nelton Jenkins, as soon as Lane Taylor got hurt, guess what? You got yourself a starting job whether you're ready or not. Fortunately, they were up to the task. But I, I'm, I'm, all I can say about Dexter, because we didn't see much, is that I am very excited about what he can potentially bring. I'm not trying to say he's going to be one of the best or anything like that. I'm just saying I was impressed with the little bit that I saw. As far as what he did on the ground, I mean, the stats are terrible. But again, if you take five rushing attempts seriously, come on, man. But it was five attempts for 11 yards, 2.2 yards per attempt. Again, there's nothing to glean from what we actually saw. And he is a sixth-round pick, which you know how I feel about sixth-round picks. Although running backs are, they're one of those groups where you can kind of just get them anywhere. So if a sixth-round pick is going to pan out, running back is one of them that would probably be that pick. So I don't really have super high expectations, but I am excited. I want to see what he can do with a couple more carries because I really feel like even if he isn't on a down-to-down a very good running back, I really feel like he's going to just break one one of these times, and I just want to see it. Also, there were some extenuating circumstances with Dexter that kind of caused him to fall a little bit. So I, he, his talent might be a little bit better than a sixth round. But uh, anyways, the other running back obviously is Tyler Irvin. We all kind of got a little bit excited about Tyler. Not only did he help out our special teams unit a little bit, but he had a couple exciting plays. The one thing that I had mentioned that was kind of surprising to me um, that I want to reiterate in case you didn't hear me say it before, Tyler Irvin spent special teams excluded the majority of his time on offense as a wide receiver. He played 11 snaps in the backfield, 12 snaps out wide, 23 snaps in the slot. That's 35 snaps as a wide receiver, 11 in the backfield. I'm I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I mean, dude, bro, homie, the guy is 5'10", 185, has 4'4", speed. Unbelievable speed. He can line up in the backfield. He can line up out wide. His ability... His versatility. You want to talk about a guy that maybe on a down-to-down basis can't do much, but occasionally is going to break one? Tyler Irvin is that man. He also was on special teams, what is it, 91 times? Which right now I think is his biggest appeal. But unlike, you know, the biggest problem with Trevor Davis is as much as we liked him on special teams, some more than others, because he did have kind of a droppy issue, he didn't offer anything on an offense, and that was sort of the problem. People looked at him as a wide receiver and said, why are we keeping this wide receiver around? With Tyler Irvin, and we, it still remains to be seen because he didn't get very many opportunities, if he can offer even a little bit, that's just, I mean, because I, I don't really mind dedicating a position just to a special teamer. We've seen how consequential it is when we don't have somebody that is a special teams guy that can play special teams. So I don't mind it. But to get that bonus of a guy that we can throw in on offense, especially relatively unscouted because he doesn't get that many opportunities, and you put him out there and the defense kind of has a panic attack, Again, this is, this is a guy that you have to dedicate a lot of resources to. He's very fast, he's very elusive, and we can line him up anywhere. He, he's, he's the perfect kind of guy that on a, on a certain situation, you line him up in the backfield, you split him out to wide receiver, and now what? 
You think a linebacker is going to be able to keep up with Tyler Irvin? Are they going to dedicate a safety to him? Because you want to talk about beneficial. Suddenly they have a safety drop down to cover Tyler Irvin? I mean, no disrespect, but oh my goodness. Devontae thanks you for your decision to drop a safety. (laughs) And if you're then going to shade your other safety over to Devontae, you know, again, we could go down the the list of reasons why I'm not the biggest Devin Funches fan, but you're offering no help over there? He's a big dude. I hope you got a big physical corner to cover Funches. I'm just saying, Tyler Irvin is a fun piece to have on a team. The other component here that kind of gets me excited is the fact that he really is a fairly unexplored commodity. He spent three years in Houston. He had 19 total targets in his three years with Houston. He comes to Green Bay, and again, he didn't come in until the, the first snap he took was week 16. In that first game, he got one target for six yards. In his second game, he had three targets, one reception, five yards. So, I mean, this this is a new thing. And we decided to resign him, so now we've got time to really figure out how to use him. And I, I'm not trying to hype this up as though he's going to be a massive component, because he's not. But again, this is a fun piece. He ended the season with five targets, three receptions, 18 yards, 23 yards after the catch, which really just goes to show where he's targeted, right? How do you get 18 total yards with 23 yards coming after the catch? Because a lot of your catches are coming behind the line of scrimmage, and you're just making stuff happen after you catch it. On average, he gets 7.7 yards after the catch. That's a lot of yards to get after you touch the football. And again, we're talking about a running back. We haven't even got to his running ability yet, or his special teams utility. I'm just talking about his potential as a receiver, which is relatively low, but it's still a thing. And again, it's a mismatch opportunity, because you've got a guy that's kind of built like a really fast, quick slot receiver going out into the slot, and then what? Are you gonna, Again, are you going to put a corner on him? I mean, what, why? If, if we're going too wide and have a running back you know, call it 11 personnel, why would you have a slot corner out there? You wouldn't. We've only got two wide receivers. So when we put Tyler Irvin out there, you're either putting a safety, a linebacker, or, you know, if you're you know, an outside linebacker possibly or whatever, you got to slide somebody out there that's not going to be a good fit. Then you come to his rushing ability. And the fun thing with this is you want to talk about underutilized. Houston had the guy again for three years. In three years, he touched the ball five times and got 18 yards. He comes to Green Bay, he touches the ball three times, gets 35 yards. He got more yardage with Green Bay in three games than he got with Houston in three years. And by the way, he spent two games with Houston, or excuse me, with Jacksonville before he came to Green Bay. Let me elaborate on that a little bit more. He got more yardage in one game than he got with Houston in three years. So already the Packers are finding ways to expand what he can do and utilize him properly that Houston never could figure out. Against Seattle, he had two attempts for 25 yards, 12.5 yards per carry. Against Detroit, one carry, 10 yards. Again, not very much, but every time he touches the ball, he does something special as a runner. Three attempts, 35 yards, 11.7 yards per attempt. He got two first downs on three attempts. Two of his three runs went for 10 or more yards. 7.33 yards after contact. This is a smaller guy getting seven yards after contact. Longest run was 18 yards. He avoided two tackles, again, on three attempts. And this is a fourth-round draft pick, by the way. Houston Texans took him in the fourth round. I mean, this is a 5'10", 185-pound, fourth-round pick with 4-4-1 speed. Houston didn't know what to do with him. They couldn't make him work, which makes sense because Houston has a terrible offensive line, so what do you really expect? I don't think they're the most creative offense in the world. Maybe, you know, seems to me they got a good quarterback and a good wide receiver who they just got rid of. And the plan is... Tell Deshaun Watson to run for his life because his offensive line is terrible and chuck it up to your really good wide receiver who will catch anything. Tyler Irvin comes here, and let's just say that the Packers' offense, for all its faults, has a head coach that's a little bit... runs a little bit more of a sophisticated kind of offense that utilizes special pieces like this. Again, it's the Shanahan-type offense. It's It, it might not be as you know stretch-the-fieldy as Houston is. It might not be as flashy as, as you know the Saints and the Texans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but you want to talk about utilizing chess pieces? Tyler Irvin belongs in Green Bay. And he was, again, he was already utilized at just coming off the bus. He comes off the bus, he gets on the field, and he's making plays. His third game, he's in the playoffs against Seattle, rushing two times for 25 yards. He, we're, we're just scratching the surface with this 26-year-old running back. Again, do I think he's going to take over for Aaron Jones? No, but he's kind of, kind of what I'm talking about before with J.J. Taylor, where he's going to do some special stuff. He's not going to replace Aaron Jones. He's not going to be your every down back, but he's that mismatch. He's that guy that you line up at wide receiver. He's that guy that can just break one. 4-4-1 speed. If he hits a hole, goodbye. 
So, yeah, am I excited about him coming back? Yeah, a little bit. Am I overexcited about him? Yeah, probably, but that's all right. I, I do what I want. Wide receivers, we, we kind of talk about a lot, but um, I guess we'll, we'll touch on them a little bit. In general, like we've said, I don't think there's a whole lot of options on the team outside of Alan Lazard. I think I'm a little bit more cautious about Lazard than, than most people are. The assumption is he's just this top-tier elite wide receiver, always has been, always will be. He's a number two, good to go. As I've pointed out, looking at PFF, the guy had two games that were basically elite. One great game that graded out as good, seven games that graded out as average, six games that were below average, and one against Seattle that was terrible. This is a six foot five, two hundred twenty-seven pound, undrafted free agent. I just have a hard time saying definitively. I like him, but I I don't know that he's going to be. Um, is he going to be the Devonte to Jordy number two, or is he more of a Geronimo Allison who has made some really clutch plays on some really, and maybe that's a little bit unfair. I do like him more than I really ever liked Geronimo, but I don't know that he's not more of that kind of a guy, a reliable player, a guy that if we can get a legit number two would make Lazard a very good number three. That's kind of where I'm at. I like Lazard. I'm glad we have Lazard. He fills a role. I just, on a game-to-game, down-to-down basis, I don't know that he's, he's and it's unfair to compare him to Devontae, but De- Devontae doesn't matter. Devontae's always Devontae. I just don't know what exactly to expect from Alan Lazard super comfortably. And the, the, the thing is, he's probably, arguably Funchess's, but probably by a wide margin better than anybody else on this team at wide receiver, which is kind of the problem. So overall, Alan Lazard, uh, 55 targets, 38 receptions. He caught 69% of his passes, 13.5 yards per reception, um... 513 yards and three touchdowns, only 3.9 yards after the catch per reception. His longest reception was 43 yards, had 27 first downs. He had three drops and only avoided one tackle. So he's obviously not a very big yards after the catch guy, which again kind of leads me to believe he's more of a Geronimo type, a better version of Geronimo, but a Geronimo guy. He's bigger, he's stronger, he'll get open, but he's just going down right away. Kind of, he's, I mean, he's kind of a big, quick tight end, which is fine. I'm very okay with that. I really don't want to give the impression that I'm knocking Lazard. However, I'm doing what I always do, which is standing on one side of the fan base, whereas the fan base is, I think, way too far over here, thinking Alan Lazard is a dominant football player, and I'm kind of on this side going, no, he's not. He was good, especially in certain situations, but I, I I don't know where this leads. And it just makes me nervous being overly confident in a guy that the Packers cut and brought back that is an undrafted free agent who, you know, I mean, his his overall grade via PFF was a 69, which is high average. In 2018, it was a 62. So he's consistently been average. He may take a Jamal Williams step into being better than average, which would be great. But I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what his ceiling is. Maybe it's part of the other problem. Is this as good as it gets for Alan Lazard? Did we see the best version of Alan Lazard or does it continue to get better from here? I guess that your opinion on that is is your opinion of Alan Lazard, and for me, I just the, the telltale signs say that maybe he re- replicates what he did last year, or possibly slightly regresses. Would be my guess, but we'll we'll have to see. Jay Kumaro, I think, is a great. I mean, Jay Kumaro and Geronimo. Here, here's the thing. Both of these guys, I have been on the other side of the fan bases losing their mind. Jay Kumaro, some people still think this, and I think most have given it up, but some people still believe that if Jay Kumaro just gets more opportunities, he would be the man. He'd be great. He, most people have given up that pipe dream, and rightly so. I heard this all year last year. Why don't Why don't we put Jay Kumaro in? He's he's a great wide receiver. He's going to be the next Thielen. Da, 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 da. And I'm going, ah, yeah. He looks pretty good at times, and you know, but I just I don't know how much I can trust this undrafted free agent out of Whitewater. UW Dub, much love. I don't know if you can call a, a school you dropped out of your alma mater, but he's my alma mater. The school is. He's not. So I've always been a Kumaro fan, but I, I just couldn't really put that much stock in the guy. And I think most people have kind of come off that train. Same with Geronimo. Geronimo was the most ridiculous thing ever. He was a subpar receiver since forever. He had one big reception in like 2018. Everybody lost it. Geronimo's a freak. He's going to be this great wide receiver. And I spent an entire year and a half convincing people that that one play does not dictate how good Geronimo is. And finally, people came around to the fact that, okay, I got trashed because I refused to acknowledge Geronimo was this great wide receiver. And now people are all on that bandwagon. I don't want him around. And by the way, he's not anymore. 
And so I'm, I'm, you know, as much as I'll acknowledge Lazard has looked better than either of those two guys, if you'll acknowledge that you lost your mind about a bunch of wide receivers that really are not very good that you finally come around to. And, and my point is, I would probably put Lazard a little bit closer to that category than I would, you know, putting him toward the, you know, I don't, I don't want to say Devontae because that's obvious and everyone would agree, but, you know, a, a legit guy that I can trust as being a, and, and by the way, MVS is another one. Pretty much every wide receiver that's come through here has been this this way. Trevor Davis and that other guy that was like six foot seven and never even took a regular season snap, but everybody freaked out because he was really tall and I don't remember his name, but who cares? MVS. Oh, he's so, and some people even to this day, you know, we know, yeah, nobody ever trusted Devontae. Look how that got us. MVS is going to be the next Devontae. He's going to show everybody. Yeah, except Devontae Adams was a second round pick. So there's every reason to believe that he was going to become what the Packers thought he was going to be. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, with his height and his speed, to get drafted as late as he was meant there were serious problems with his receiving ability. And the question is, can we coach him up as a receiver? And I think we've already got the answer to that question. The answer is no. We'll see. But again, he's another guy that everybody got so excited. MVS is going to be great. And then he just wasn't. So I'm just cautious about Lazard. And I'm not really willing to not do anything else. And again, just just to put this even further into perspective, I have said consistently that I am not a Devin Funches fan. I have always, since he got drafted, said I'm not a fan of Funches. I have defended Cam, who I'm not even a big fan of Cam, because of his lack of, of wide receivers, because of guys like Devin Funches. I've never really liked him as a receiver. And I'm telling you right now, if I had to guess who's going to be a better receiver, Funches or Lazard, I'm taking Funches. So there you go. So we got Jay Kumaro, We And, and the, the great thing about all these guys, and I said this last year, is that every single one of these guys has breakout games. So one, it's just you've got Devontae, and then from week to week, there's another guy that just has a great game. Lazard had a bunch of them. Kumaro had a couple. Geronimo came up with some real big games, right? He gets that clutch touchdown or that clutch third. And that's what a lot of these guys are, they're clutch. They come up big in big situations, and then they just disappear for a while. That, that's exactly what they are. What I think the Packers need is another guy that's a little bit more reliable, sort of a Randall Cobb type, just a possession guy, a down-to-down. He's going to get you your seven or eight yards seven or eight times a game. That's why I like K.J. Hamler. Just He's open every single play. I God, I really like that. Just go watch him and find a time where he's just covered. I haven't seen it. Maybe you can find one. He's open every play. But just a little bit more consistency. We can't have a bunch of guys that are going to give you that one big clutch play a game. It's just not, not good enough. So Kumaro is that guy. I don't have a ton of belief that he's going to be much more than that. Alan Lazard, maybe, but I'm not super confident. Marquez was average in his rookie year and somehow went backwards. He got graded out positively twice all year. Once was a borderline elite game against Oakland. The other one was against Denver. Almost every other game was below average. So I just, I have no real faith. As much as I, I like Marquez, I had hope, high hopes for Marquez. A six foot four receiver that runs a four three seven, it's got to get you excited. But it just, it's just not panning out. It's just not showing up on the field. And, and for whatever reason, Rodgers and Marquez cannot get on the same page. I mean, he's been open down the field, and Rodgers just can't hit him. I can't explain it, but for whatever reason, it's just not working. Sternberger is kind of similar to Dexter in which, and, and Rashawn, where you see those flashes, and you really wish. Like, when I see him on the field, I watch him. And I watch him come off the line, and I watch him get open, and it's like, Rodgers, please throw him the ball. And he doesn't, because he's not looking, because he doesn't trust him, because whatever. Or just progressions or whatever, he's not there yet. But again, you see those flashes. And it just gets you excited about the potential. I don't know what that means. I mean, just based on how generally things go, we can go through this list and look at how many people were drafted or brought in that are not very good. If I had to put a lot of money on it, Jay Sternberger is not going to be a dominant tight end. But he 100,000% has the ability and the tools. It's just a matter of, is it going to happen? And I really hope it does. I think he's a great route runner. I think he's a much better blocker than anybody gave him credit for. And I know he takes that very seriously. In fact, uh, if you look at his grades, his receiving grade was a 55, which is not good. His run blocking grade was a 59. His pass blocking grade was a 79. He did a great job. Fairly limited sample size, but whatever. Nine nine times, and he did phenomenal all nine times. And I just think if he gets a little bit more opportunity, and with Jimmy gone, I think he's going to be getting more opportunity. I'm, I'm excited about the upside and the potential for Jay Sternberger. Beyond that, I think Robert Tanyan fits into that category of everybody thinks he's this great elite tight end, and if he just gets more opportunities, he's going to be awesome. I just think that's a bunch of nonsense. Robert Tanyan is the same as every other 
every other guy in that cabin is an undrafted free agent from the Detroit Lions. I mean, he didn't even make it on the team. The, the Lions picked him up. They dropped him. The Packers picked him up. He's graded out poorly two years in a row. Decent enough pass blocker. But as a receiver, I mean, and that's the thing. Everybody, we see one play where he does one really good thing and we get excited and say he's a free. I'm, I'm glad we have him, but we this needs to be upgraded rapidly because the fact that he couldn't play over Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, I mean, that, that, that should tell you something. So, I mean, you know. We'll have to see. I mean, he's he's going to be another guy, depending on how the draft falls, and I think this is a terrible draft class for tight end. But um, if nothing else is done, I think Robert Tanyan's going to get a lot of opportunities as well. Because, again, remember what I said about Jimmy Graham. The amount of times he lined up out wide compared to anybody, I mean, it was, it was like 50% of his snaps were out wide. Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberger, they're always in line or in the backfield. Somebody has to fill that role. Somebody's going to have to go out. Somebody has to be that tight end because that's what the offense dictates. So these guys are going to be given those opportunities. And again, unless we draft somebody else, my thought was maybe they go after Austin Hooper because he's that kind of a tight end. They did not. So Robert Tanyan, Jay Sternberger, depending on Jace's, is his ability to catch up. And if he can't, Robert Tanyan's going to be that guy. So the opportunities are going to be there. My contention is, though, I just don't think, as much as I love getting excited about guys, and I want to believe they're going to be great and all this stuff, I think we're being silly. It's, it's For me right now, it's Jace or Bust. And I really hope Jace can step up because otherwise we're just going to have another year of these tight ends are, are terrible. The only other guy I'd really like to talk about would be Mr. Lane Taylor. I don't think he gets, and this, this is so funny because it's come full circle. Lane Taylor started off as a backup, and I really liked him as a backup. I think everybody did. Then he took over as a full-time left guard, and I just thought, I don't like this. He's a great backup. I don't really care for him that much as a starter. This was back in the days when Ted Thompson purged our entire offensive line and did nothing to replace him, and it was kind of a nightmare. He went out and got a bunch of, of you know, well, really, we lost our guards. We lost Sitton. We lost Lane. He also gave up, you know, J.C. Treader and some decent enough backups that could fill those roles but now can't. Lane Taylor was the one good backup. He went into the starting role. Bottom line is I, he's good enough, but I really wanted an upgrade. The, the funny thing is now, most people disagree with me and said, no, he's a legit starter, you're wrong, he's better than you're giving him credit for. Now, everybody wants Lane Taylor gone. Everybody wants him to get out of here, we gotta trade him, we gotta move on from him, and I, you know, that's entirely a possibility. Bottom line is, though, he's better than Billy Turner. I understand we paid Billy Turner a bunch of money, but if, if it's up to me, our starting offensive line and how you do this is, it, I could not care less, but it's David Bakhtiari, it's Elton Jenkins, it's Corey Lindsley, it's Lane Taylor, and it's Rick Wagner. I don't want Lane Taylor to leave because I think he's our second best guard on this team. I think Billy Turner was a mistake, and we could talk about maybe he could be better. And Look, the bottom line is he's been in the NFL for a long time. He left Miami, and Miami fans laughed at the Denver Broncos when they picked him up because he was so terrible. Broncos fans were laughing at us when we picked him up and paid him because they said he was so terrible. There's never really been a time where he was a great offensive lineman, and a lot of people are saying, well, he was better at tackle than he was at guard. That's kind of a wives' tale that's not really true. He had great games here and there, sometimes at guard, sometimes at tackle. He had flashes. He had, And I tried to highlight those because I wasn't excited about him, but when we picked him up, I tried to highlight the good. But bottom line is he's he's been a subpar offensive lineman. He came to Green Bay, and he's continuing that legacy. And again, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't think Billy Turner gets better when you move him from Akeem Hicks out to face Khalil Mack. I don't think he gets better in that situation. I think he becomes more of a liability. And so, I, look, I don't, I don't necessarily think this is going to happen. I think Billy Turner is going to stay because they paid him and they expect him to do better. Lane Taylor is, if he sticks around, he's going to be a backup. Like, you know, he's going to be a really quality backup that I'm excited about. But I at least wanted to give him his due, especially since I've been kind of, I don't want to say anti-Taylor, but kind of ragging on him a little bit. You know, again, standing on this side of where the fans are. I think they're way too far in that he's a great starting guard. And I'm looking at it going, eh, he's, he's a really, really good backup. He's a mediocre starter, which compared to what most teams are working with, I mean, Lane Taylor's phenomenal. The Vikings would love to have him. The Texans, would, a lot of teams would love to have a guard as good as Lane Taylor. Just, you know, compared to the sit and laying that I was used to, this is a massive downgrade. But where we're sitting right now, Lane Taylor is a very good guard, and I want to give him the credit that is due. Now, he's a terrible run blocker, but as a pass blocker, which is the most important thing, he's solid. He's solid. And I'm excited to get him back next year. You know, we'll see what happens, whether he ends up getting traded, cut, whatever. Is he going to get extended beyond this year? Probably not. He's 30 years old. I don't think Lane Taylor gets a another contract into his 30s. But for 2020, do I want? To, of course, I want to keep him. He, he's the perfect perfect guy to have as a backup. 
anybody along that into, I don't know if he can play center, but you know, if, if anybody gets hurt, I just please give me Lane Taylor. He is a dream backup offensive lineman, which sounds like a backhanded compliment, and maybe it is, but I don't care. He just is. He's phenomenal as a backup. Otherwise, that's about it. I mean, we've got other backup offensive linemen I don't super care to talk about. Some other players, you know, Tim Boyle. I mean, I know there are some people, I think Andy Herman has been a massive Tim Boyle fan. That's not a thing. It's just not. It, it's, this is still and always will be Aaron Rodgers or bust. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, we're not going to the playoffs. We're getting an early pick. That's all there is to it. I don't feel like I need to elaborate on that, but if, if that's a question, there's your answer. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's there, there are some guys that I'm excited about because we don't know, and I feel like there might be something there. Dexter Williams might be something there. Wide receivers, I feel like, although there is one guy I didn't mention that's equanimity. Now, I, I do think I'm even too far into that I, I believe in him category. He's a late-round pick for a reason. His ceiling is probably going to be relatively low, but he, he was, as I watched him, my favorite guy. Um, I think he had the most to offer. Some of his catches were just like circus catches, really, really impressive, great hands. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can bring. I, I genuinely think he has some ability, but I also am nowhere near willing to hang the season on Equinemius St. Brown. Again, he was drafted as late as he was for a reason, and there needs to be some investment. Whether it's first round, second round, third round, I don't care. Somebody needs to be drafted to bolster this wide receiver group. But that it is worth at least mentioning Equinemius as uh, somebody that I, I do like, and I'm probably too much in the like category, even for my own standards, but I, I just I just like him. I don't know. Anyways, uh, that's it. Those are my thoughts. Get in the Facebook group. Let me know your thoughts on these particular people or anybody that I didn't comment on. Because again, it's not, not none of this is definitive. This is just where I stand on these guys. That's it's just my opinion. So, curious to hear yours. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>